You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You are about ready to hear a podcast. Episode. On. Of. <laughs> uh, on the uh, mindfulness and, and the Christian life and discipleship. Mm. This is an area that has been fascinating to me for the last several years. All of all this research on how the brain works mm-hmm. and how the body, how the mind is is actually connected to the body yes. more than just your right, head, right. Uh, which is actually uh, ancient wisdom too, and yes. um, and then and then sort of borrowing practices from other tradition, philosophical traditions, other cultures that mm-hmm. help us reconnect to that, yeah, and give us yeah. greater access to the way I think ancients actually lived and moved and had their yes. being. So we're going to hear from Charles Stone. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. Yep. It is going to be great. But we wanted to give you, right up front, three quick, here's what you should knows. Blurbs, if you, know, you will. Yeah, we're going to blurb some things. So we yes. have two events coming up in a couple weeks. Ben, do you want to give uh-huh. us some deets about yep. that? Yep. So the first one is a boot camp um, in uh, the Dayton, Ohio area. Um, and a boot camp is basically just uh, on-the-ground training for not just you as a leader, but people in your church. Um, we're going to be going over, basically going over, doing some training about our seven axioms, uh, which is the yes. first part of our coaching. Uh, it was the first part of our this podcast as well. Uh, but uh, Ben Hardman's going to be out there doing that. That's August 23rd and 24th. Um, if you, We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, can't remember off the top of my head the the web address, but I, I think it's like uh, well, I won't give it to you. We'll put the link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Just make one up. Yeah, it's www.googlee.com, <laughs> and then you type in. Yeah, right. Gravity Leadership Bootcamp. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's happening. Um, you can register for that online. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, the other one is uh, an event. It's actually happening the same day. Matt and I, while Ben Hardman is at um, in the Dayton, Ohio area. We're going to be near Fort Wayne, Indiana, in a little town called Fremont, and we're going to be there with Brad Jerzak, who is, he's been on the podcast before, but um, he has um, just uh, some really great teaching about the gospel, um, about the cruciform mm. gospel, which is uh, what the event is going to be called. So uh, he's going to be there uh, at a church that is pastored and led by 
some friends of ours who are part of our um, Gravity Leadership cohorts. So anyway, so that's coming up as well. August 24th, we'll put links. Um, oh, no, sorry. That one's August 23rd and 24th. Yeah. The boot camp is just the 24th, Saturday, August 24th. Yes. Yep. Yep. So if you're near any uh, one of those areas, uh, we'd love to see you. And we've just recorded the two first episodes of our practitioner podcast. Yes. Did that this morning. Yeah. And we are, I'm out of my mind excited about this. Yeah. Um, ben and I talked about uh, the kairoses we're processing locally as a church, got into a little more specific, intimate detail about things we're dealing with personally, including uh, dealing with a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, <laughs> If you will, <laughs> if, let the listener understand. Yes. So uh, we are going to be launching this uh, supporter, Patreon supporter uh, platform in the next several weeks. And there next are... Next week. No. Oh, next week. August 20th. Get it's ready, going people. live. Yep. Yeah. I'm putting, a, I'm putting a date on it. Gird up your credit cards. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there's going to be three tiers. We're going to have actually a podcast. Our next week podcast will be all about this. So I won't say too much about yeah. it. But yeah. um, I, the, I'm, I'm giddy. Yeah, yeah. It's a way. It's a it's a way for you to be able to engage with us on a little deeper level. Um, that isn't quite the deep dive that coaching is. I know not everybody yes. can afford or the the time or the money sometimes to do that. Um, but it's a way for uh, for you to get some of what happens in those groups, some mm-hmm. of the goodness that happens in those mm-hmm. groups, the deeper connection, uh, the learning that we're doing on the ground. Um, it's a way for you to get that. So or. If you've been through coaching, to extend that. So yeah, yeah, just yeah, keep that connection yeah, going. Anyway, yeah. So look for that. Yes, the practitioner podcast will be one of those uh, one of those tiers. And um, so yeah, if that interests you, just uh, keep your keep your eyes peeled. Yep, keep your and we'll uh, we'll update you next week on it. We will. All right. All right let's get to the episode. Listen up. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey friends, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I feel like singing. Oh. I just want to make <laughs> just want you to know that. Okay. That doesn't make for good podcasting, but well, I, no, yeah, I do feel well, like singing. Depending on the singer. Well... But I mean, like, yeah. it's hard to have a conversation, unless you're doing a musical. A musical podcast? A, a spontaneously improvised musical podcast, which yeah, would be well. poor podcasting. Anyway, I just... <laughs> what, what did you mean by that? What, what, why do you feel like singing? Hmm, I have music in my head, hmm. and sometimes I, you know, I externalize thoughts, which yeah. is why I started a podcast. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I want to sing, but yeah, I, yeah. I just I'm I'm saying it so that uh, the temptation decreases. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting psychological. It's part of technique. the way I live my life. Yes. Speaking of psychology. Speaking of psychology, <laughs> uh, friends, I'm uh, Ben Sternke, and this is Matt Tebby. That's the other voice that you've been hearing. And uh, today on the podcast, we have Doctor Charles Stone with us. Uh, welcome, Charles. Great to be with you guys. Uh, Charles, uh, we're going to talk about your book, Holy Noticing, and we're going to talk about um, 
uh, I think, psychology and theology and mindfulness and a lot of other uh, fun topics. But uh, before we get into that, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Well, I'm a lead pastor up in London, Ontario, about two hours north of uh, Detroit. Been in ministry almost 39 years. Hmm. Been married almost 39 years to my wife, Cheryl. Three adult kids. So my son's a pastor in Cleveland. He's married. They have three kids, three grandkids for us. My youngest daughter is living with us, going to seminary, and she wants to be a chaplain. My oldest hmm. is in California. She is a nurse. I um, enjoy pastoring. I enjoy writing. Mm. I, I guess my hobby is learning. Mm. Love to learn, especially how inner, how neuroscience intersects spiritual formation and leadership. So, yeah. Yes. Hey, can you That's say really great. that is great? How did you get interested in that? How did you get interested in neuroscience and spiritual formation? Yeah, well, it actually began in a high chair. I was not in the high chair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, could, I don't remember when I was in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. Although if you went, if you traced it far enough back, that is maybe it ways, did. Yeah. yeah, maybe it did start there. Maybe. But anyway, so go go ahead, finish your story. So anyway, uh, my uh, youngest daughter uh, Tiffany was one one at the time. We were in Laura, Mississippi, and Christmas time, and I had high chair duty, so I was feeding Tiffany pureed kumquats or something like that. I noticed that her left eye was quivering. If you guys have kids, you see something like that in your, your little kid, like that's mm. not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple days later, I went to the doctor. He said, it's probably a strabismus, which is a, oh. you know, a developmental thing in your eye. And kids grow out of it. He said, well, when you get back to Atlanta, we live in Atlanta at the time, go to a specialist, just have him check it out. Went mm. to the specialist. He said, probably a strabismus, but we'll do a scan anyway. And that was the day of, of CAT scans before MRI was really, really big. So we got scanned uh, a few days later, and literally, as I was, we were coming back from the scan, I opened the door, the phone was ringing, ran into the kitchen, picked up the receiver. The doctor said, Mr. Stone, we have the results. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. They got the results awfully early. Why is he calling me now? Hmm. He says, we found, we found uh, what we think of the, the issue is uh, your daughter has a lesion on her brain. Now, lesion, oh. I thought, hey, just put, you know, put cream on it. It goes away. Yeah, said, then <laughs> rub some ointment on that. <laughs> Right. Well, that's what I thought. Well, but then he said something that changed our lives for decades. He says, your daughter has a brain tumor. Oh, wow. She was a year old, brain tumor. Fast forward ahead, 25, almost 30 years in the future, she's had 10 brain surgeries, part of her brain removed, been in experimental treatment, had devices put into her body, taken out of her body. She's redoing quite well now. But we lived in this neuroscience world. In fact, Ben Carson, the uh, African-American surgeon, I think he's in the HU HUD department head right now in the States. Yeah, yeah. He did two of her surgeries. Oh, really? So, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so going through this whole process, uh, as I began to examine my life, and I was a committed Christian, I was a pastor, I did spiritual, all the spiritual disciplines. I read the Bible, I memorized scripture, I taught the Bible, I fasted, I prayed. And yet there was still this kind of anxiety inside of me. There was this defensiveness sometimes. Hmm. And I began to ask myself, having seen what, a brain tumor does to Tiffany said, could something be amiss in me? Not that I had a brain tumor. Right. So I began asking those questions and it led me to this whole thing of neuroscience, how the brain works, got a, a degree, wrote some. And so that's kind of the story that led me here where hmm. I am now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That hobby of learning uh, seems to have uh, <laughs> taken over there with that, uh, that situation, kind of that harrowing situation with your daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so your book, Charles, is called uh, Holy Noticing, The Bible, 
your brain and the mindful space between moments. Um, and I, uh, hmm. I, I love I love the title of this book. Uh, it, it coheres quite a bit with what we do in our training, where we train leaders to kind of um, pay attention to what God is doing, uh, to what's really happening, uh, kind of underneath the surface, to to kind of distance ourselves from our own internal uh, kind of emotional states and that kind of thing, and just be able to look at things and notice mm-hmm. notice what's happening there. So, um, tell tell us a little bit about um, tell us a little, little bit about the book, like what. Like, what is the connection there, and and why is why do you think that's important for us to learn how to do this this activity of holy noticing? Yeah, well, I think all of us face the challenge, especially more so in our fast paced world, high tech, twenty four seven connected world. We want to get out of the current moment and get to a next better moment, hmm. or and we live in this ruminating over the past, are fearful about the future, yeah. and we're not fully present in the moment. Now, I'm not dismissing our history. I'm not dismissing the uncertainty sure. of the future. Yeah. But we live in this tension between those two, and we would try to push to a next better moment. And in doing so, we miss, even in the even when we're experiencing difficult emotions or difficult experiences, we miss, I think, truly living. Hmm. Some, some uh, in fact, it was an, an Anglican neuroscientist. I can't remember his name. Hmm. W- well known in the field. Okay. He did some research. And he, in his research, figured out that because our mind wanders so much, that if we we wander into two hours a day on the average of negativity, worry, rumination, that if we actually captured those two hours and into the moment, we'd have an extra two months, a year of really being present. Oh wow! Are yeah, two hours? So let's let's repeat. That's amazing. That's an amazing stat to me. I'm sorry, I was checked out. What he (laughs) said. Right. Matt was living. Matt was pushing into a better you future present, moment. You? <laughs> no, but uh, so two hours a day on average, people spend sort of lost in what? What the negative thinking? Is that what you said? Like these, rumination, negative yeah. thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that John Polkinghorn? Is that the? Is that the? It wasn't Polkinghorn? I know it wasn't him. Okay. Uh, all right. I just can't recall the name. Yeah. All, all right. right. Well. Interesting. Yeah, that is, and so we'd have on average two months we'd reclaim. And that, that's time where our brain is basically on autopilot doing something that is completely unproductive, in, a, right. in essence, right? Where, uh, and that's, that's, I'm interpreting that, but I'm assuming that means like this rumination or this anxiety, like whatever it is, we're living either, you know, going, things over, going over things in the past or anticipating the future um, anxiously, mm-hmm. uh, but we're, we're not really present. Mm. Right, right. That's amazing. Well, well, uh, Neuroscientists call that our default mode, our narrative mode, kind of what goes on in our minds when we daydream, we're not focused on a task. Hmm. And uh, we live in either this direct mode, we're focusing and we're present there, or default mode, we're mind-wandering. Now, not all mind-wandering is bad, but some neuroscientists did a very interesting study. They did something called experience sampling. Experience sampling is quite expensive because you want to catch people in the experience of life and kind of test what's going on. So what they did, they gave them they had to put an app on their iPhone. Yeah, in fact, you can go online and you can actually be a part of this project. Oh. They're adding more and more people to it. And they would uh, send them a text during the day, ask them, are you focused on something? Or are you mind wandering? Are you happy? Are you not? They discovered that we mind wander up to 50% of the day. And hmm. most of the time when we mind wander, we mind wander and we're not happy. We're, we're thinking negative things. Okay. 
So then they they coined in their in their kind of their research title, a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. Hmm. And and I think that's probably due to the, the fall, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, before the fall, it was a perfect place and it wasn't any of this. But uh, it's called the negativity bias right. because there are more uh, neurons or brain cells in our light, light center, four times, uh, a four, five to one ratio, more looking for something negative. So mm. part of being in the present is being able to pay attention mm. to when our mind is wandering, but oftentimes we just get in this DVD loop and we're not even internal DVD loop, not even aware. Yes. Right. So we reinforce then, then like we're biologically hardwired to uh, ruminate, meditate on negative things. And if we're, if we're unaware of that, not only of that fact, but also of our actual daydreaming, then we're sort of at a five to one ratio, like behind the eight ball when it comes to setting your mind on the things above, not on earthly things, for instance. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's why Paul said Colossians 2, sit your mind on things above. Philippians yeah. 4, 8, finding brothers, whatever true, noble, right, mm-hmm. that list like eight or nine things. It's the, the term they use today, scientists use today, is called metacognition. Hmm. It's basically thinking about your thinking. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Aware, what is going on yes. right now? Up there. And yeah. one of the things about holy noticing or mindfulness from a biblical perspective is it helps us. Hmm. Be aware, more often be aware when our mind wanders into negative territory. Yes. This yeah. is what we train people to do, uh, Charles, at Gravity Leadership, is think yeah. about your thinking, notice your thinking, take yeah. dominion yeah. of your thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the re- the reality of where you are at any given moment is the is the ground zero for the inbreaking of the kingdom. Uh, and so we have to become more perceptive and present to what's actually happening Yes, in order to meet with a God who's so real. That he's going to meet us where we really are, yeah. not not in yeah. some not in some past regret or future anxiety, but like right here, yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, what? So one of the things we, we run into, and I wonder if you hear this too, like there there is this reclamation, I think, driven by neuroscience in the West, but also in sort of a preoccupation, kind of a pop preoccupation with Eastern philosophy of this practice of mindfulness. Right, and so would you? Would you describe what that is, and would you also give maybe some, uh, you know, five to one neuron ratio anxious people listening right now, uh, <laughs> like who maybe who maybe have been taught to be aware or scared of something that comes out of maybe most popularly a Buddhist tradition? Right. Why mindfulness right. is vital and crucial to a Christian? That's a very very important question. Uh, and that was one of the things I kept in mind as I wrote the book, because there are a number of people who do have valid questions about mindfulness, because the vast majority of the written material out there is based from a Buddhist perspective. So I, in my Kindle uh, app, I've got like 130 books on mindfulness. 80%, 90% are Buddhist-based. Yeah. So as I read through those, because I have a strong theological background, I could read through and say, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, there's an insight. So. Hmm. How I answer this question is three ways. There are three ways that believers can can choose to not be afraid of mindfulness as it's couched in a biblical worldview. Yeah. Number one, look at the timeline of history. Uh, the Pali language was the language of Buddhism, and out of that came the word uh, for the be properly used mindfulness. However, if you look at the timeline, you go back earlier and you find the Hebrew language predated that. Mm-hmm. In the Hebrew language, when the, the one time the actual word is translated mindful, what is a man that you're mindful of him? It's the word zakar. 
There are many, many Hebrew words, especially in the Psalms, about this mindful state, this contemplative state, being still and being present. Mm. So we have his, we have the history. Uh, God was at work. Mm. The, these Hebrew were, were already doing this. Yep. So that predated that. Then you go yeah. to the New Testament. Jesus was the perfect one who was always present in the moment. Mm. The word mind is used 160 times in, in the New Testament. And mindfulness is all about being present, you know, what's going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. You go into early history, the first three centuries. Uh, hmm. First of all, when great persecution was happening to the Christians post-New Testament, many Christians went into the deserts in Syria and Palestine, Egypt, to get away from this. And they developed these skills of being fully present with God, largely wrapped around uh, uh, Scripture. Uh, when uh, Constantine uh, made uh, Christianity legal in the, in the Edict of Milan in three-something, yep. more Christians left the, the metropolitan areas because they felt like the church was being diluted, and they went into the desert. So probably 30,000 of these began to practice that. You go through, uh, you know, the, there was only one church up to like about the, the yeah. you know, for the Greek Orthodox split off and then 1400s of Reformation. Mm-hmm. There was this rich practice. The Reformation somewhat truncated this yeah. affective experience. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now we're reclaiming it. So just yes. quick in summary, history tells us that yep. mindfulness from biblical perspective is proper. Uh, the scriptures tell us and uh, evidence-based research tells us. So those are three reasons why Christians don't yeah, need to be afraid. That's really great. We root a lot of a lot of what we train leaders to do in in the. We try to take Jesus' practice seriously, not just his words, but like what is he doing, uh, and and how how is he teaching us to be human? Um, yeah. And I hear I hear some of that in what you're saying. Um, are there are there a couple examples that you could give us? Like as you look at Jesus embodying this in the Gospels, um, like. Help help us help us see uh, what what it looks like for Jesus to be mindful or for Jesus to be fully yeah. present. I love how you said fully present with God. It's like yeah, that's a really good way of talking yeah. about mindfulness. But yeah, how does Jesus show us this? You, you got a couple examples that you could tell us? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, there's two kind of categories I would place uh, my answer in, which mm-hmm. are two categories that how we can practice it. One was this: Jesus had a very busy life. Mm-hmm. Constantly, people were clamoring for him. You know, feed me, feed me, feed Mm -hmm. me, heal me, heal me, teach me constantly. And Jesus did those things in the busyness. Yet in the busyness, he was aware of the lepers who were crying for him. Hmm. He was aware, and he noticed this woman at the well, and he had a conversation with her. He noticed this woman who had been sick for a long time. Doctors couldn't help her. He noticed when uh, that woman touched his cloak. He noticed when the kids wanted to come to him, the disciples were trying to shoo the kids away. So in the busyness of Jesus' life, he was present for things that most people would have missed. Now, that's one category. That's really good. Yeah. Other category is Jesus often got away to be with his father. Yes. So we see him being mindful of his father in those times just he and his father, God the Father. And we see him mindful and fully present in those times of busyness. And really, mindfulness, holy noticing from a Christian perspective, is both. Yeah. It's what we do in our kind of devotional experience, clock and whatever you call it. And what we do in day to day, it's not just something we do like a monk and we just stay there, we live it out. Yeah. So that's, that's the yeah. answer to that. And I, I think those two things are connected too, right? That there's really no way to be, to become present in the everyday busyness of life unless you are taking that time to say, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of contemplative yes. prayer every yes. day. You're sort right. of training your mind to be able to notice the woman at the well. Um, and likewise, I would say that the connection goes the other way as well, where if I am taking 
if I do have a practice of contemplation or mindfulness or whatever it is, and I don't notice that it's actually affecting the way that I live, then maybe something is amiss with my practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. That they're meant like both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So they're connected. It's two things, but they're also connected, I think in a really vital Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. So what, uh, how, I mean, do you have, I think you, you outline a model for this. Mm-hmm. Like if people are saying, okay, this sounds interesting, or I think I'd like to do this. We, we've talked with other uh, people, Rich Velotis, uh on the, on the podcast before where he's talked about, you know, contemplative practice. Um, but one of the things that we try to do is, is make things doable for people, practical for people. Right. Um, do you want to just outline the model that you go over in the book and just, sure. that might be a, yeah. a good way for people to get into this? What I was trying to do is put the cookies in the lower shelf. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm a geek. I can study neuroscience all day, but most right. people's like, he's a geek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I base it around our breath. You know, breath is pretty prominent in the scripture from the Old Testament, New Testament, all, all the way through. Mm-hmm. And, and breathing is something we do every day. It's kind of the mutual thing. Yeah. So what I did, I created a simple acronym. It's the word breathe, B R E A T H E. Okay. Everybody knows it in English. You know, if you're an English speaker, you know it. It's easy to remember. Okay. What I did was that each one of those letters, they stand for a particular concept. Hmm. And that concept, there are scriptures that you know, are appropriate in that concept, but also simple practice. So here's what breathe stands for. B stands for body. And basically, it's, a, it's this awareness in these categories. Hmm. B stands for body, okay. what I call ponder and yield your body. R stands for relationships. Mm. Review and renew your relationships. E stands for environment. Mm. Notice and engage your environment. Okay. A stands for affect. Now, affect is another word for emotion. Hmm. Label and release your, your, your emotions. T stands for your thoughts. Observe and submit your thoughts. And H stands for heart. Surrender your heart. And the final E means engage. Go out and live life. So hmm. B-R-E-A-T-H-E, B for body, R for relationship, E for environment, A for affect, T for thoughts. H for heart and E for engage. It's, it's really pretty easy to remember after you get yeah. a few iterations in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What strikes me is that we we kind of come out of a. I mean, we're all sort of children of the Enlightenment, right? We come out of this Descartes Cartesian sort of rationalistic way of approaching spirituality, which is, I think, one of the appeals of Eastern. We talked about Eastern religion and how it's appealing to the West. One of it is, is it's actually Eastern religion does a better job of integrating body <laughs> and thought, right? But I don't think we have to go to Eastern religion to do that. I think it's there's a wealth of it in the Scripture and in our own Christian tradition. Yeah. But what strikes me here, Charles, is that your acronym actually uh, gives a picture of how integrated and integral all of our faculties are in our spirituality. Yes. Right. And we can't get to it. You know, I, so I mean, I, I joke often about my MDiv here. I think we went to the same school, Trinity, uh, up in Chicago. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I learned so many things there. But one of the one of the stories I tell about that is like, they're they're singularly focused on sort of the discursive, cognitive, right. rational way of approaching God, which is like yeah. crucial. But one of the things yeah. your academic helps us understand is insufficient. Like it's it doesn't we can't get to everything else through that. But rather mm. we have to engage all these faculties to integrate them all. Yeah, has that been your experience? Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, that was my my uh, experience and my, my education as well. And I think 
for some are afraid of our emotions, afraid of the the affect. But the reality is, we are an integrated being. Yeah. We are body, soul, and spirit. We we are a mm. per, a, a person. Yes. And neuroscience is telling us more and more the profound impact of emotions on decision making. Yes, forty to fifty percent of what we make is emotion based. Yep. and we can't. And, and, and it's, it behooves us to understand that so that we can integrate that into yes. real spiritual formation. And a few people are beginning to catch this now. Yeah, here's what I find, though. I find that the default bias is, well, there's something wrong with that. So, like, the rationalistic way of looking at that is we shouldn't be making 50% of our decisions with emotion. So we need to eliminate emotions from our decision-making. Turn, turn them off so we can think turn, rationally about Turn things. them off so we can think rationally. Which, uh, But what I hear you saying is something different, Charles. Like, our emotions, just like our cognition, need to get saved. There's a shalom that needs to come to them. And yeah. so it's not about a separating emotions from decision-making. Right. It's about a integrating and, and a, a, a whole, becoming holy in our emotions. Yeah. And right? It's, yeah. And it's about yeah, noticing right. those emotions, yeah. right? Yes, Because I, I think part of the problem is we unconsciously... We're, we're not realizing that we're making emotional yes, decisions. we're not. And we, all we're right. in touch with is the reason, oh, here's the five reasons I'm making this decision. Yes. yes. We're not in touch with my anxiety or my hopefulness or my ambition or like whatever it might be. And so a big part of it, like that might be telling <laughs> us something really, really important. And so a big part of what you're saying is like, just pay attention to that and say, oh, a big reason I don't want to take this job is... You know, I like I'm I'm anxious about this, or or a, a big reason I you know I'd like to go to this concert, you know, you know is is an emotional thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's it's kind of a uh, yeah, it's about the awareness of those things rather than the elevation of emotion or the uh, elimination of emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, so one one other question that comes to mind for me. Um, and I hear this pushback sometimes uh, in our cohorts where we train pastors and that kind of thing, um, especially more like people who are wired up to like do stuff, get stuff done, you know? Um, and the, sometimes I, th- I think they come into our training process hoping that we're going to give them some more tools to get more stuff done. Yeah, do stuff, to stuff. Yeah, you know? Uh, so they want to be productive and that, that kind of thing. And so when we start talking about noticing, like noticing where you're at or opening up space to help other people kind of notice where they're at and and begin to pay attention to what God's doing. Like all of that kind of language feels to them like we are, like you said earlier, we are telling them to like, oh, become a hermit, go pray for eight hours a day in the desert and don't get anything done. So what like, and I know that's not what you're advocating, uh, it's not what we're advocating, but how do you you tell the difference between when it is, because sometimes it is time to focus and like we got a deadline and we got to get this done and so let's produce something good here how do you distinguish between when it's time to be present and and mindful and when it's time to kind of produce and get something done mm-hmm. well i i my personality is kind of the what you would call the the type a and i know there are different kind of nomenclatures mm. used now but very activist oriented so this whole learning for me these past several years is kind of contrary to my particularly personality style. Yeah, totally. And, and you mentioned some of the, the, the people coming to your cohort, like help us to do more, do more stuff. I would mm-hmm. say is do the right stuff. That's good. And what being mindful does, it helps us be still long enough so that we can sense the whisperings of the Holy Spirit, so that we can sense this 
there's another uh, uh, sense called interoception. Interoception is kind of our in, how our internal body organs uh, communicate to us. You know, because we have a lot of neurons in our gut yeah. level, and there's this yes. the second brain is is the stomach. Yes. You know, so so uh, I would I would say to to those, and I was one of those guys that was like, let's just get more stuff. Let's go to the conference. I need this one, two, three. What's this, the 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 yeah. key to church growth and all that? And I'm not dismissing. There's certainly things to sure. learn there. Sure, but if you like Jesus, he had three years. What if we only had three years in our ministry? Mm. That was it. Yeah. Could we say we did the right stuff? Jesus did it perfectly. Yeah. He knew he had three years. Why was he able to do that? Because he learned this. Of course, he was fully God. So this is intentionally God in man. He learned under the tutelage of his heavenly father to be still and present, to discern the Holy Spirit's leading him to do the right thing. To do the right thing, yeah. So the integration of being and doing, like the the benefit, if you are concerned about the doing, the benefit of learning to be, learning to be mindful, is that you can be more confident that your doing is the right thing. You're not just doing out of anxiety to like be like, oh, I got to get some stuff done. You're actually doing yeah. the right thing because you're present to what God is yes. saying and what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really like, a, it's, not, it's not if you do, it's how you do is what I hear you saying. Charles. Mm-hmm. And well, it wa- helps us sort through motivations and yeah. helps us sort through some of those little uh, intuitive things that we can miss, miss if we're just so activist. Totally. Yes. So this helpful. is, yeah, Charles, this is super helpful. What are, what are some ways, let's say I'm, I'm listening and I am listening. Uh, <laughs> it's not even a hypothetical. No, let's, yeah, like, let's yeah. take this in the real life. I want to do something <laughs> about this. I, um, you know, this is, this is what you're talking about is like humanity 101. Like, mm-hmm. all humans could benefit from this, right. including Christians. Right. right. And if right. you build a Christian spirituality without this, it's a house built on sand, right? It's, it's going to mm. gonna crumble, and your character is going to be revealed. But my question is, let's say I'm listening, how do I start? What, what do I do, what do, yeah. I do uh, if I want to begin to explore this and integrate some of, these, some of this learning into my life? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I would suggest is uh, I put together a little free ebook. Uh, your listeners can go to holynoticing.com, holynoticing.com, a little sign-up sheet comes up there and you can get a free ebook, which basically outlines some of the biblical support and historical support of this. Mm-hmm. It also gives in like one pager, a summary of the BREATHE uh, acronym. Oh, great. So there's some tools at holynoticing.com. But to, to answer a question here uh, in the podcast, I, w- I would start out with, just kind of memorizing that little acronym and start three minutes a day practicing this in a quiet place in, in your home or a closet or whatever, you know, upstairs or downstairs, basement, whatever, and begin practicing it and learn to live with your thoughts. There's a research study us some scientists did was they, they asked people to come and just be present with their thoughts for 15 minutes. No, no phone, <laughs> no, no nothing. Yeah. And but the, but the little quirk was they, uh, gave them the ability to shock themselves. Oh, they wrapped a little uh, metal piece of metal around their okay. their ankle, not enough to physically hurt them. And if they if they were just like, I got to do something, they could shock themselves. Well, people would shock themselves rather than being with their own thoughts. One guy in 15 minutes did it 192 times. Oh my word! <laughs> just looking for some kind of stimulation to distract <laughs> him. Do. I yes, don't want to yes. be with these. So wow. it's learning. To be with your thoughts. Learn to be with your thoughts. So I would say start out three minutes a day 
a reasonable little yes. bite and then build from there and build Good. on the uh, breathe. Acronym. And so, so the breathe acronym, just to be clear, like the practice that you're talking about then yeah. is to pay attention to these things. So yeah. body, what's happening in my body, right? And like, oh, my, my finger hurts or my breathing yeah, well, is shallow. Or, is that what you mean? Yeah, just a kind of practical example. Each one of these, B-R-E-A-T-H-E, there's a there's an application, a little skill. So on B, okay. there's something I call the body scan. Okay, okay, I see. Um, and um, when I was, several years ago, my doctor thought that maybe I had osteoporosis. Hmm. So I had a bone scan. And so basically a bone scan is they inject radioactivity into your body. You lay down on a, on a, a bed and this scanner goes, zzz, and it takes a picture of your bone. Yeah. So the bones are okay. A body scan is kind of similar, where you're in a comfortable place, you're in a quiet place, and you just imagine like this scan going through your body. It does two things. Number one, it makes you aware of maybe where you hold your tension. I hold my tension in my shoulders. My tension shoulders kind of go like this. I'll do this on Sunday morning sometimes before I speak, and I, oh, man. Yeah, me too. So it'll do that. You just kind of slowly go through parts of your body. I explain it more in the book. Secondly, it helps you be grateful. This is one of the beautiful things uh, science is telling us. And of course, scripture told us beforehand <laughs> is the beauty of gratefulness. You go through that body scan and sometimes I'll thank God for my, my knee. I say, Lord, thank you for this ability. We have to walk out of the knee. He moves. <laughs> so with yeah. each one of those yeah. letters is a simple little practice like okay. that Very that good. helps put into place. Very holy good. Noticing on my and that's, that's in the ebook that people can yep. get at holy mm-hmm. Yeah, get it. Get that's it. great. Yeah. Get it. So just start just start with this practice of just taking a few minutes a day and just start to notice what's there. Yeah, um, yeah that's yeah. excellent. Yeah, and it feels it feels uh, feels frivolous maybe, or superfluous. Like you know, I'm not curing cancer or rescuing children out of <laughs> slavery, but 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 there is or so, even preparing a sermon or, or even you know doing like important that, yeah. things. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm reminded by Blaze. Blaze Pascal's uh, comment, all of humanity's troubles stem from him not being able to sit alone in a room yeah. by himself. Yes, yes. And, mm-hmm. and what, we, what happens when we practice these things, Charles, mm-hmm. is we are confronted with ourselves, which is, yes. which is the uh, obviously, um, I think our entire economy is built upon people not wanting to deal with themselves. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like trillions yeah. and trillions of dollars yeah. are spent to avoid dealing with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, if yeah. Christianity is true, and this is a missional statement even, if Christianity has hope for the world, mm-hmm. it's not in some abstract, idealistic, spiritual realm that people can escape to. It's, um, you can become more at home with yourself. You, you can actually confront and face the worst of you and not be killed by it, but, but yes. meet Encounter God there. Encounter God there. Yeah. And if we can't do that ourselves, we can't hold that hope out for the world. That's desperately needed. So thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for this book. I feel like uh, we're we're meeting, we're always tunneling sort of into what God's doing with us, and we meet people under the ground uh, in tunnels, and we're like, hey, you're here too. This is (laughs) great. I feel like we're we're digging in the same tunnel. We're we're mining the same well here. And so thanks so much for the work you're doing. And uh, if we want to connect with you, you mentioned Holy Noticing. Uh, Are there other places to connect with you online? Uh, Yep. My website's charlestone.com. Charlestone.com. Okay. And uh, so that's where I do my blogging and more information. Fantastic. All right. Well, we'll put those uh, links in the show notes. Also a link to the book, uh, Holy Noticing by Charles Stone. Charles, it was great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Great being with you. All right. Peace.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.